0: Welcome back to the Basement Fellow Music Lovers. You're now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Johnny Less the Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. I'm sitting down here in the basement. Hope you're you're comfortable and getting ready to take a little trip with us here. Uh, this one is, you know, we do record reviews. We do a lot of those. We do, uh, we talk to rock stars a good bit. Sometimes we talk to people like Bob Boylan. He's a rock star of a different kind. Uh, but sometimes we do stuff, uh, that's more in the, uh, more in the jammy, the pod jam, if you will, sense generally those involve, uh, two of my very good friends, Marcus Dowling and Casey Ray. And, uh, this one does indeed include those two gentlemen, you know, last time we got together to do this was the, uh, day Prince died and we had big plans to talk about all these things in the music industry. And it turns out the only thing that mattered in the music industry was that Prince was no longer in it, or in any industry. Uh, we got our feelings out. That was a nice long discussion, uh, and it sort of set the uh, set the template for how we run these things. This is a uh, this is gonna be a little long podcast, but I think it's an important podcast. Well, uh, this time out, we we got together to discuss a topic that Casey recommended, uh, which was uh, black artists in alternative music. Now. Uh, you may say to yourself, oh, this makes all the sense in the world. You know, why, why would you talk about that? Well, back in, uh, you know, we're a little older. And, and back in the like early 90s and late 80s, uh, would, if you talked about alternative music, if you talked about grunge, it was pretty exclusively, I think, uh, white guys in flannel. I mean, at least that's what made it on TV and, um, and the airwaves. And along came a band by the name of Living Color at one point uh, there was not that these were four uh, intelligent uh, African American males from from New York City not from the uh, Los Angeles that you would expect metal to come from and and they sort of ripped open uh, some hole uh, in, in the universe to this this amazing uh, culture infused thrash metal just amalgamation of all this music that has been in the uh, African American uh, society and culture, and 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 fused it onto what was going on then. And you know, we had Bad Brains before, but that was a lot more punk. This was "Cult of Personality" was one of the biggest hits. Still remains one of the biggest hits of all time. And uh, and at the time it came out, it was honestly like one of the most important songs because of who was playing it. Since then, we've seen lots of artists. We're going to talk about a lot of them here. Uh, but in 2016 uh, and I was talking with mr. Dowling about this just the other day I, it doesn't seem like we've come very far uh, so you know when we have a uh, leader of a, a protest movement found burned in a car and shot in the head and and this is not on uh, on on the front page of every paper uh, on the uh, head of headlines of every every news it's I I don't know what's going on with. (laughs) So, so this is still important stuff to talk about. We are not uh, post-racial. We are we are very plainly, uh, as Mr. Dallin likes to say, racial. And uh, and so the work that these artists that we're going to talk about not only did but continue to do uh, sort of fights back against that and sort of you know it maintains their identity, but at the same time educates all of us. To stuff that maybe uh, Whether it's through the media Whether it's our location where we live For whatever reason uh, We don't necessarily always uh, Hear Find out about Or uh, or relate to Because of the people around us So That's the conversation we're going to have today Lots and lots of rock and roll And uh, we're going to do something neat here Where you have a playlist for the first time in the podcast And uh, it is going to be collaborative So we have we have started it off and uh, I, I hope that if you're listening to this, you can keep adding to this. And um, and it will just be a thing where we have hanging out and, uh, and sort of a repository for all these things that, uh, honestly, everybody should know about uh, but maybe uh, is not as informed as they should be. So that's going to be our podcast or pod jam uh, for today. So if you're ready, uh, here we go. This is episode number 216 of Chunky Glass, the Podcast. We're sitting down to talk with Casey Ray and Marcus Dowling about Black Alternative. Okay.
1: It happens here and it finishes
2: here. Two men enter. One man.
1: Merely a two word review. It just a shit sandwich. I will
0: roll the record up the down. That right there is
2: a logical fallacy. No, no, I love you.
0: You get a check on uh, you, Casey.
1: Check it out, man. All it's right. Like, totally true are, true.
0: Everybody comfortable?
3: Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: man, are we going to get in a lot of trouble doing this? No, it's, we're going <laughs> to be just fine. We, you we're we're yeah, right. just you fine. think we're good? We're going to be just fine. I think so. Uh, we're going to be just fine. Casey Ray, welcome back to the basement, man. It has been a while. <laughs> it's it's been, been a long while. It's been a while. Uh, how been. you
1: doing? Good. It's been too long, though, and actually I think I'm going to just, like, live here now. Okay. So that way, the next time you come down to the basement, I'll
0: already be here, and it,
1: right. and it won't be a while at all.
0: Well, well like, this oh, is happening, is. This, and, and, and I'm, I don't want to mention Marcus Dowling sitting over here. I'm just hanging out. You know, when we got this trio together the first time, uh, my initial plan was to do things like checking quarterly. This is when you were with Future Music Coalition. You're with Sirius XM Radio now. And you know I'm open to plans sucking and that plans sort of my plan was to tour the world uh as a power trio at, <laughs> oh, l- wow. like
1: rush yeah uh, oh
0: man and oh, that man. didn't work out either okay. so. yeah that
3: would have been excellent so, I so, but
0: but what's ended up happening is is we get down here and we talk about like sort of important things uh last time was uh for prince and, yes. and it was a very important thing it was yes. uh you know go back and listen to the episode <laughs> It's what like ninety five minutes. I mean, it was exceptionally long. Uh this week it was It's we, like the uh, Hobbit that it doesn't suck as much. <laughs> it, well it doesn't suck at all, actually. It's fucking great. Uh, I was really uh, happy with that uh, one. With not without having any Prince music actually played in it. If you can figure that out. But
3: exactly. I know at
1: a time when it was pretty much a free for all, like he's dead. He's dead. Yeah, dead. <laughs> like no, it. Still, yeah. oh, still like,
3: yeah. yeah I only talk about like YouTube right now. with like, yeah. Prince live performances, yeah. but we're Crazy. here
0: tonight. Not, not to check in on the industry or I guess maybe we are, maybe we're checking in on the country. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. figure out how, how this goes, but it was something that you emailed me, Casey. And you're like, Hey, I have this idea for this thing. I don't know if I'm the one to do it, but Hey, I would love to talk about it with you and Marcus. And, uh, and what we're going to be talking about here is uh, Black Alternative music in the, in the 90s. We're not, we're not tying it to the 90s. Yep. We can get a little slingshot, but that's yeah. where, you know, those little yarn things where you like draw the circle and shit? Right. Yeah. Like that's the, the pencil is stuck in the corkboard in about the mid 90s, I think. Right.
3: Oh, good, good times. Um,
0: now, and if, if you're thinking to yourself, it's like this, like, what? Black Alternative in the 90s? I will tell you in researching this, it's harder to find shit than you think. And mm-hmm. it, made me, it made me happier and happier that we were talking about this. Yeah. Because, and, I, and I'm going to start with the go-to and the thing that honestly changed my life with rock and roll, I think, uh, was Living Color. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, Vernon Reed, Corey Glover. Uh, at the time, it was uh, Will Cal- Calhoun and Muzz Skillings. Now it's mm-hmm. Doug Wimbish on bass.
1: Been Doug for a long time. It's been Doug for a long, <laughs> it's been
0: for a long time. But, Muzz uh, But Although well. I did see them
1: with Muzz, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, as did I. Uh, this band came in, uh, when I was a probably junior or senior in high school, started like touring Virginia clubs around then, and uh, actually by the time I got to Virginia Tech in college, they were playing a show there. And you know, Virginia Tech is in Blacksburg, Virginia. It's not the most diverse thing, and and much like what we've talked about recently, Marcus on a few of these, how yeah. uh, bands like Digable Planets and uh, and, and rap in, infiltrated the white scene. Yes. Is, growing up in southwest virginia and all of a sudden never mind print seeing people who were just black yes playing a form that we were told might as well have been in history books yeah that black people didn't do that right uh in fact in lynchburg it was there's there's black music mm-hmm. like no yeah. there's, there's madonna there's their flock of seagulls there's prince but yeah he doesn't count he, he's he's just nasty it's okay yeah um but the reality is is that, while well, they didn't start it, uh, that arguably, which somebody you're familiar with, Casey, uh, started with the band Death, yeah. um, they didn't start it, <laughs> uh, they sure brought it to the forefront. And then from there into the 90s, I think a lot of the bands we're going to be talking about were definitely influenced by them. Yeah. So, so let's, let's kick off from there. Like, which one of you guys wants to get into this first?
3: I'll, I'll start. Um, I'll say that like in the, in the early 90s, I was like maybe 11, 12 years old. So I went through, I told Casey this off air, I'll tell you, I'll say it again on air. Um, a lot of this spurs from black kids who were picked on as, as, as youths. like I was picked on as mm-hmm. a youth, and you get away from the black mainstream. Black mainstream is typically, you know, soul R&B, top 40 ready, Little in, in the 80s it was very like sense driven stuff. <laughs> what was stuff? the black mainstream in the late 80s, do you think? God, you know, like Alexander O'Neill talking about like like the print stuff was there i mean you're talking about fresh prince michael jackson count oh michael jackson well well, i mean he was i mean all jokes aside but yeah he was there yeah he was there because bad was such a ubiquitous record like i mean and it wasn't like i mean the thing with 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 mike with that record is that the beak the Mm b-sides spoke a lot more to like the like black urban community like dirty diana yeah is a is it just i mean the, the guitar who's, who's the uh
0: it's billy Idol's guitar player who was the guitar player god how do you not know this casey <laughs> oh no i know
1: I, I i know the answer to this you know? yeah yeah <laughs> who is it? uh on, on dirty diana uh it wasn't vernon no um, oh wasn't i i i think it might have been
0: vernon we'll look it up we okay, on not have a so, podcast but on this we yeah. want the facts right so, so, so it'll uh, be in the show notes so pretty sure okay. it was
3: like that was like one of those records that like you know it was like like you know spoke in a way mm. to like you know just out like to a more urban community like where i was raised in dc and uh it's just it's like that was that time it was you know like the the, yeah. the sound and i had like you know rap uh new york new york heavy rap i mean the la starting to get in there so you have like nwa is not played on radio not yet but yeah. all of my friends because of mtv knew that nwa was a thing and so he had all that, and then it was like, you know, if you get picked on, you don't really don't have any many like options to like kind of like turn to like that are like black people playing this music that isn't necessarily in traditional mainstream ears. Yeah. So like Living Color pops up on my radar one day. And I mean, I don't know about the Black Rock Coalition, I don't know about any other stuff happening in New York City at the time. I'm just like, okay, I'm watching like MTV at my buddy's house, and all of a sudden there's like Whoa! Like they're they're black and they have guitars and they have mm-hmm. weird okay black dreads.
1: black guitars. I'm gonna help you guys out here and in our audience as well. Steve Stevens did play on Dirty Steve Stevens, Diana, yes. however, Black Cat by Janet Jackson, which is what I was thinking was Vernon. Yes. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I kind of had him. That spot. was another okay,
3: song cool. that I was gonna get to. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was crazy to me. I was just like, whoa, okay, wait. So like I I and I was a metal kid because I was picked on so much to the point where like. They picked on me because I didn't know like Peter Piper, so Mm -hmm. I turned in. I turned on to Britpop. They picked on me when Britpop became a thing that crossed over. So I got into metal, and I stayed with metal. I stayed with metal like hardcore. Like I was probably like the one black kid in America. I feel like that really loved hair metal. Like hair metal is a huge part to play in my development as a young man. So I was like, okay. So then like, I I know that there's no way anybody that is anywhere near me at this point in my life is going to get anywhere near hair metal. So I felt pretty safe. And I'm like, wow, okay. So I'm like watching, you know, like a bunch of metal videos and then Living Color comes on the screen and I'm like, whoa, (laughs) I'm like, this is, this is the perfect music. This is perfect in every way. Right. I can't understand. My brain is fried. So that's kind of like, that's. And they were they were iconic in that sense because for a generation of young black people in America to have this band at this time making the music that they were making was so out of character for music of that that era.
0: It was out of character. I mean, they opened for the fucking Rolling Stones. Right, and which they were, is they were bad. Also, well, Mick Jagger uh, found them. Mick yeah, Jagger found of, them, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but they, they they were doing their thing. I mean, <laughs> they were definitely doing their thing. I mean, they were fairly fully evolved.
1: Yeah, uh, but he he championed them very aggressively, and I, and that's kind of an impressive thing.
0: It it is, and, and, then, it, and it's sort of like in, in line with what the Rolling Stones' mission has always been for a lot
1: of years. I mean, yeah. like Mick was. You know, both a terrible, you know, token-esque pastiche of, like, black music, (laughs) but he also was, like, a legitimate guy who, I think he was the original Bill Clinton. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. Mick got a pass. Yeah, absolutely. Mick would hang, and he did hang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: So, like, it's funny, because, like, without, without, without Living Color, I wouldn't have discovered, like, Jimi Hendrix. Real talk. Yeah, that's uh, and as a, as a young as a young black person, I didn't know that Jimi Hendrix existed. I had no idea who he was. I was like, okay, so I need to find more black people carrying around guitars. Well, and we have in to life. explain
0: to people that back then, like legitimately, like what you take for classic rock now was played on a lot of these radio stations was not. It
3: excluded people like Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah, just Jimmy wasn't like because you know it's like that was like like the classic rock stations would mm. play like you know yes. <laughs> they would play, yeah. like, you know, just, like... I was on one era, though. I'm
1: a, I'm a bit yeah. er, older, and, you know, I grew up in a no-horse town. Yeah. Like, all white people. I mean, I grew up in Maine, you know, before I moved. And uh, it was... Uh, I was I went to high school and, you know, and lived my entire life there. Uh the classic rock station that I listened to played a shit ton of Hendrix, and, you know, I considered that to be part of my bread and butter as a yeah. musician and somebody who was, like interested in rock. Yeah. Uh you know, but but I think that there was a, a little bit of stuff cracking through um even before Living Color. I mean I think honestly one of the things that floored me was actually seeing the multiracial psychedelic dance explosion that was delight. You know? Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, okay. So this is actually pulling a lot of different threads together. Gay culture, black culture, mm-hmm. dance yeah. culture you Know on the disco soul, it, it
3: wasn't until I met Lady Miss Keir in real life that I knew that she was white. Mm-hmm. I had no <laughs> idea until I met her in real life in like right. 2011. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so, it but, like, but for whoa. heavier
1: music, I mean, yeah. for sure, Living Color was like the shot heard, heard around the world that hadn't been heard probably since yeah. Hendrix, right? Um. You know,
0: and and we can and, talk about death in a minute. But, gra- but be clear, Bad Brains was operating then. Right, they were, but they were not designed like, for any mainstream. That background. wasn't
3: like the Jafakan era of, like, Bad Brains. It wasn't, like, punk to me. It was, like, more like this, like, weird, much more reggae thing. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it wouldn't have mattered brain.
1: either way. I mean, there was no universe where Bad Brains would have been optimized for the mainstream. I mean, no. say what you will about living color. I mean, it might have seemed like a square peg, but... There's a strong, handsome, like really powerful singer that can just clearly, like you know, blow down doors with his right. his amazing yeah. voice, yeah. and you know Vernon is like a basically the Roth the the sort of cross between like Jackson Pollock and you know on guitar yeah. you know he's just like a splatter i was just artist. it's
3: just wild because it's funny when you see like the video can still yeah. be mainstream because yeah. it's tuneful mm-hmm. right i was like i so saw it's funny like, we should mention the fact that like prince did exist and everybody's saying oh well prince had a guitar prince was so awesome that you didn't realize that prince had a guitar that's actually right it wouldn't have mattered what instrument, <laughs> right prince was so awesome that you didn't even know well, that prince well, was I, wearing I, the guitar uh, and playing it
0: actually i will qualify that as somebody like it was uh, 14 when, yeah when purple rain came out you did, and it wasn't this, but it was it was the same guitar that everybody else was playing because you didn't get to hear the other stuff.
3: Yeah, but, but you,
0: you, Purple Rain came out and it was like, oh, who's this guy?
1: I don't know. I mean, if you want to go, we already did the Prince podcast. but yeah, if you want to go way back, you can get like a like real, pretty prominent examples of what a motherfucker that guy was on guitar. But, uh, I oh, that, I, I can, but I think I know you can. think but I'm
0: saying like as like people the general populace that's uh, true. I mean he just felt like it. Prince. What is
1: Prince. fully formed being. Oh, he's like great. Right. He's awesome a guy awesome playing guitar. And... Like, but that's what
3: I mean. Like he was playing guitar, but he was so great that he didn't immediately grab you right. as like he was a rock icon. Right. Yeah, he's Prince. Yeah, he's just Prince. And you're like, okay, so like that was the first time that I ever seen a black person who I was like who specifically identified to me as a rock. icon. Vernon icon. Yeah. Yes, Vernon Reed. First time I went, "Oh. Wow." Okay. Well, that's a thing. Yeah. And then I went back and I found Jimi Hendrix and I went, "Well, well, that's a thing." And I was like, "Okay, so this this there's there's a there's a there's a there's an alpha and an omega at that point to me of like what it was." And then it was like up to me to find every single other black person that had ever grabbed a guitar in life. And that's what like recontextualized Prince for me yeah. was like, cause I didn't know that like dirty mind got all that stuff existed. I had no idea that that like existed. And so for a lot of other black kids, I feel like that was the moment when like all of a sudden, like black people making rock music became a thing that could be mainstream because it was like, okay, cause like black people became active in the mainstream by that point, like a truly look, active.
0: Let, let, let me ask you something. So, so like you're you're watching Poison and you're watching like that. Absolutely, that, like right. And, and Hair Metal took over. And, and as Eduardo would point out, that's not real Metal. Like, I, I, I didn't it's, know at it's the good time. pop at the time. I didn't know. You're right. You didn't know. But you're watching Poison. And was was there ever a, a thing in watching these bands where you thought to yourself, like why doesn't
3: anybody say look like me?" Well, because you're told that that's white people's music. Right. That and that was the whole reason why that was a lot of it is like and I think that's a lot of it for like other people who get into blanking black alternative music is the idea that you're told specifically that rock and roll written by black people Mm -hmm. is white people's music. Right. So it's like you almost expect these people to look like I wanted everybody who made metal to look like the most iconic white person ever. To make metal. Like, I wanted I wanted you to look like Brett Michaels. I wanted you to look like <laughs> Rob Halford. What about Slash? Slash is like... Slash is black, yeah. Oh, I didn't notice yeah. Slash was black until far later. Yeah. Until, like... Well, you I, couldn't tell. Yeah, I met some girl in eighth grade who, like, hipped me to that. And I loved her. Like, I... I yeah. And, I, and Slash,
0: I've seen some of your uh, Facebook freakouts, Casey. Like, he is one of the greatest guitar players Slash of all time. Slash is
3: the
1: last uh, blues, uh, blues school guitar players he's yeah the last like yeah.
0: hard hard
1: rock blues I, guitar player the day that i learned to Slash, last samurai almost. yeah the almost
3: day, the day that i learned to slash was black it made guns N' roses like the coolest band slash is actually a me. perfect
1: amalgamation uh, algamation on guitar of jimmy page and jimmy hendrix yeah and as he ages and you know since he's sober and just you know is really dialed in i mean i've been watching shit tons of guns N' roses and some of it's still the big ass uh, axel show mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whatever and yeah, you know, it's fun. At least they seem like they're having fun. They're certainly making a lot of money, but they're also like leaving room for Slash to be Slash. And there, there's times where I'm just like, the, his maturity and seasoning on that instrument yeah. has really just reached a, a profound place. And I hope that people understand what a powerful instrumentalist he is, and not just like a cool dude with a top hat and like, right. crazy hair that played in like one of the biggest bands of all time. He's a true truly great musician yeah and uh
0: but well, that's what made guns N' Roses work it, it, one yeah, of the I, reasons about
1: six other things yeah but, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right but, uh, so get, i want to get back to living color though for a minute because i have a couple of anecdotes as well yeah sure uh i saw them you know i think three times in their original run two times with probably uh with moz and one time with um doug mm-hmm and the first time I saw them was at a gymnasium in Waterville, uh Yacobo College. Oh, and they were like Waterville, so right? crazy ass brand new that nobody knew who the fuck right. they were at all. I right. know it was a pretty cool, interesting, neat show. Uh and then the next time I saw them was at the first Lollapalooza. And uh <laughs> and yeah. it was kind of the Jesus. weird thing about that is like Here's another cat that like I, I want to drop into this mix and I wish he was here because he could tell us some fucking stories. Yeah. Uh, is Melvin Gibbs is a friend of mine and Melvin was actually op- Melvin was the opening band with Rollins right uh, oh, God. Uh, on that. So it's like Rollins, Body Count, and Living Color were on that first Lollapalooza lineup that I saw. Oh man, I, there was a weird thing I saw. A lot, I saw this at Foxborough, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the ancient times before it was called something else, whatever it's called now, like. It ain't Jiffy Lou, but it's something the, like the uh,
0: Hostess Center. There you go. Free Twinkies. Jeez. Yeah, there yeah. you go.
1: But so I saw it when it was, you know, the Foxborough Stadium or whatever it was called. And, uh, you know, nobody knew what alternative music was then. It hadn't been codified yet. Right. It was like college music Uh, and then this weird thing that's going on the Perry Farrells trying to put together. And I was a huge James Addiction guy. I saw them like three times on the original run, too. So I. I went to it and I was like, "This is gonna be really fun." And and some of it was stupid, some of it was stupid, some of it was stupid. And then Living Color came on; they basically ripped the faces off everybody. (laughs) But the audience started throwing like sod at them, like from the lawn. (laughs) And like in retrospect, I just thought it was because people were bored. It was still daytime, and they were just waiting for something like really Mm -hmm. rad that they knew. Because, I mean, you subjected people to butthole surfers. They right. didn't actually play any butthole <laughs> surfers songs.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, you know, Gibby came out with, like, a shotgun with blanks and right. shot it at everybody. Right, right, like, Harry right, right, right. Farrell was playing oh, a bass-type instrument with them. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Paul was, like, basically doing box pentatonic solos with a lot of, like, effects. And that was the set.
0: Yeah. Awesome.
1: And so, I mean, I think people like in 1990 were maybe, or 91 were a little bit sort of weary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when living color came on, I mean, maybe they were just like, ah, show us a band that we love. But I also think they was fucking racist. I think they were throwing fucking I, sod I think, at the yeah. black band. Yeah. And it pissed me off even then. And I was like 17.
3: <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh my God. So it's, it, there's this funny era when like, so like living color hit and
1: right. then
3: like, I feel like there, there, there's, a, there's like, an era of, like, where, like, there was, like, a perfect storm of, like, okay, so black people are available in the pop atmosphere as, like, a... That's what I'm talking about. As, like, a monetary force. That's what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah. You know, there's these moments where, like, music culture, particularly in the monoculture mm-hmm. back then, would crack open just enough that, like, music would get interesting in general, like, writ large. Yeah. And then it, there was a beautiful, interesting moment where band, bands like Fishbone could yeah. play metal, could play ska, could play funk, could play
3: whatever the hell. They did it all. Yeah. And we were like, no, that's rad. Yeah. It was like, it was crazy because it was like, all of a sudden there was like one black alternative, everything. Yeah. And it made me it was like the best time in life for me. So like, I, I got into rap in 1990 because of De La Soul. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when De La Soul came out, it was like, wait. In the video for me, myself, and I, they're actually nerds. They're nerds and they're musical. They're musical yeah. nerds. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, they're my favorite rap band. Musical every, every, nerds and they look like you. It's representational. Yeah, like, you win. Yeah, I was like, okay, everybody else is second. They're they're first. They're the best. Uh there was that. And then there was like Fishbone. And I, I didn't know what ska was. And I got into Fishbone because they played ska. And I didn't and the sound of it was like weird and awkward to me. And I'm like, oh, mm, this is different. Best part about Fishbone is like these are kids that like clearly.
1: Like were the music nerds, like the band nerds, mm-hmm. yeah. And they started playing together when they were teenagers. Yeah. They just never stopped. They didn't swap anybody out during any of the the, the core years. Yeah. Like they were, it's the same damn band. And like they're just a bunch of skinny, skinny little weird kids, yeah. And then they become like this other thing, and that other thing was a very powerful black experience. <laughs> Give a monkey a brain actually is not the Fishbone album that a lot of people go back to, but I think it is their blackest album because it's the one where they address being black and yes. blackness in that broader cultural context.
3: Yeah. So there's them, and they're playing metal, right? And then you, uh, we we didn't talk about this group in in the conversation, but we should have. Uh, Tony, Tony, Tony. Yeah. Who, yeah. Like, just literally, just took like okay. So we're going to do, like... Band's so nice, they named it Thrice. Yeah, it's like, okay, so it's <laughs> wow. They should have used that. Right? They should have used that. So it was like, to me, it was like, okay. So they do ballads, but then they do, like, Feels Good, which is like a house record, and I'm like... That was, like, one of the first house records I ever liked. I didn't even know what it was. There's Ryan. all kinds of shit like that in the
1: 80s.
0: Of like, Cameo. Like, was cameo. LL,
1: did, LL did, like, a, a ballad. Yeah.
0: yeah you know, like, Terrence Trent Darby. We were oh, talking about well, Terrence Trent, Trent Darby. You well. See, yeah. and, this was, and this was the thing, at least for, for me, and, and I'm sure this was going on uh, in larger metropolitan areas, but w- what Living Color did was open that up. And all, like... and all of a sudden you had, like, it was things that, you just weren't looking at. But then you look around and you have bands like uh, King's X. Yes. Uh, you discover Bad Brains. You discover Fishbone. You discover uh, Body Count, which is like a weird thing because. Also on, on that first love blues. Body Count. <laughs> yeah. Also on that. <laughs> we'll get the Body Count second. We'll get the Body Count we We'll talk about but, Body Count. But, you know, in the early 90s, you also had people like Seven Dust. Uh, yes. You know, and and I hate to say it. I know you hate for me to say it. Hootie and the Blowfish.
3: Man. You know, Darius broke down a lot of barriers. Hootie and the Blowfish. Darius did break down a lot of Hootie barriers. Did. Hootie did. and the Blowfish was funny because, like, okay, so I went to Georgetown Day for uh, middle school and high school. And, like, Georgetown Day's funny because it's like, okay, I was, like, one of maybe, like, and Georgetown was the first, like, integrated school in D.C. So I start off there and I'm like, okay, this is awkward because I'm, like, black from, like, northeast D.C., far northeast, so I'm, like, black, black. And then it's like by the time like Hootie and the Blowfish comes out, I had been at school for long enough for like my white friends to like understand like my blackness. Mm -hmm. And then there was like this band that came out where like the lead singer like kind of looked like me. And... He was, like, the most approachable black man ever. So, like, I will I will thank... If I ever met Darius Rucker in real life, I will thank him for making me palatable to my white friends more than he ever before. He plays golf
0: but, and everything. But, uh, oh, do only you, you, you want to be with you? And,
3: and sing some country. <laughs> sing some oh, country. man, they, and, were and, they were great. They were great.
0: And this is something I think and we... And voting were... for Trump. Yeah. Oh, is he? No, I have no idea. Uh, wow. Yeah. You can edit that. Uh, <laughs> this is something I, I think we wanted to get into a little bit was yeah. as though... When you have somebody like that, and you have all these people, because like to be clear, uh, you know, back to living color, I mean, I guess this is the thesis or starting point with them yeah, 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 is that I wasn't really listening to jazz then no, and, and you have all these things like they're they're in, they're not even appropriating a white art form, but they're taking this art form that people think is white, and like just basically saying, "Hey, all this other stuff exists, so if you listen, if you go from their albums you know from even from uh the first album uh, vivid to times up yeah. they get into i mean you hear the bad brains come in but you you mm-hmm. also hear the jazz you hear the weird spoken word you hear like malcolm x quotes and all this stuff yeah. and and all this stuff is is still to this day black it's a- and important and and they it can like vernon reed that whole band is the one people i want on this couch yeah. to talk to that's why. That's literally why I've started this podcast. Amazing, but what we saw, and I think this is what we really wanted to talk about, is how people, uh, how this got a little whitewashed. Okay. So there's... And, and 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 concessions that were made hmm. because you know I was talking to Eduardo, who sadly couldn't be here today. But yeah. but w- what I was saying was that you know in looking at all these bands, we we put a cursory list of bands uh, together. <laughs> and and in uh, and, and looking at all these bands, I, I, I said, you know, like every single one of these bands except for Living Color gave up something.
3: Well, okay. So to me, it's like a slippery slope. Okay. So like um, Love Reards is Ugly Head is the moment yes. for Living Color when they crossed over. It's their biggest song ever. Um, Up there with Cult of Personality, but Cult of Personality is a different kind of record in a different yeah. way. But Is um, Ugly Head is that moment, okay, so like, metal bands made monster ballads. That's just what it is. Yeah. And so when Living Color made a monster ballad, like every other metal band, that's the moment when you realized that, okay, so they're going to make them every other metal band. There's going to be very little, like, black metal alternative about them. They're going to cross them over and they're going to put them right, right in the middle of the road. And it was funny because, like, if you look at every album Except- after they put out that, that ballad, and they couldn't, you can't replicate that ballad. You can't do two no, 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 of no, that no, no. ballad. It's impossible. So it's like, okay, so you're gonna like have that slippery slope of just like, okay, we're gonna we're just gonna fall down the hole of you know just mediocrity, and that's what happened to all of the black bands. There's a there's a, a yeah. long history of this with groups that like. I mean, let's think of another God. Cool in the Gang. <laughs> Jesus Cool in the Gang. There's there's uh there's Casey Wright all Cool in the Gang who, and they You want the, me to move the mic, bro? So with, <laughs> with like Cool in the, uh, we'll we'll use Cool in the Gang for yeah. sure. We'll talk about like Joanna. Yeah. That's right. Which is like the moment when you go, Alright, so we're gonna make you guys do the like journey style ballad. God, I love that song though.
0: Just as an aside, is, is the song Hello the first episode uh, evidence of stalkercore?
3: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean every every break the day. day every, every break the day. Check the day. So so there's this thing, like and that this is what the music industry does. Okay. The music industry until God, say two thousand eight yeah or so. I and mean, you can maybe back me up on this when I when I pull the point out. Um they took great black things and they put a white thing in the middle of it mm. to cross it over. It wasn't like we're just going to organically let this cross over. That's the great genius of the Kendrick Lamar record is that there is nothing that was put in right. that record to be like, okay, well, dude, and we're, and we're getting there. Well, we're, that that we're right. tied, that's what I'm saying. There, this ties right. into where we're so at. We're like, we're going to just put this white thing, this very white thing that mm. is like whiter than, you know, like the brightest light. We're just going to put it right in the middle of it. So like, you know, Lover's it's ugly head. We're going to put a monster ballad yeah. on the living color album. Uh, you know, like, say uh, we, get to, we, we can get into Body Count now. Body Count. We, we have a, a really great metal band out of L.A. Ice-T, the rap guy that every young, angry white person loves, is going to be their, their lead, their front man. Yeah. So that we can put them on MTV, and we can automatically sell them a million records. Yeah. Automatically. Because it's Ice-T doing metal. What it, That's like that's like nitrous oxide and, and ice cream, you know, like so, so beautiful. I, what
0: point, I guess, what did, what do we have to sell? What do we have to give? What did black people have to sell to get that? Because they're souls. Really?
1: Yes. Yeah, well, I can give you a little history there. It's kind well, of interesting. It's are. like, yeah, okay. you know, the, 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 the universe of like uh, American record industry is like very steeped in, uh, not just appropriation of musical styles, but, you know, very predatory contractual yeah. like arrangements with the talent. Yeah, and you know, there a lot of people don't know this, but there's two copyrights in music. One is the uh, the notes on paper and the lyrics, which mm-hmm. is the composition side, and then there's the you know the expression, the recording, mm-hmm. uh, which is the sound recording. So, like a band playing or an, an artist recording uh, fixed in a tangible medium, which would be tape, hard drive, or whatever. And there wasn't actually a copyright in sound recordings until 1972. Right. Right. There were many hit records before 1972. Yes. If you're a black artist and you're signing on the dotted line with the record company, they might just take your publishing because they feel like they deserve it. Yeah. Because they're putting out that record. They're going through all that trouble. Mm -hmm. They're getting in the studio. They're manufacturing it. They're promoting it. They're distributing it. They're getting it retail. They're promoting it to radio. Uh, And so they'll just take your publishing. Yeah, and so I think that there's you a, call
0: it the old school label style. Yeah, and yeah. so
1: there's a very uncomfortable history of like of exploitation in the in the in the negative sense of uh, you know African Americans in in music. However, there's a reclamation as well, and there's like some pretty profound artists that were not willing to color within the lines. Miles Davis would have been probably one of the most uh, profound and early examples of that. Who was he was not going to be troubled with what the what the black or white marketplace actually really right. expected of him. He just wanted to do what was interesting. Yeah. Although what he really did uh, was actually find a new paths for black expression. Yeah, to to new canisters yeah. for that, a new cisterns for that mm-hmm. for that to flow into. And I think in some ways, like he's the original groundbreaker, and it's oh, totally. interesting that he b- was supposed to collaborate with both uh, Jimi Hendrix and Prince. Two of the people that we mention as, as right. other sort of uh, genre smashing, boundary breaking, yeah, group, yeah. Uh, black musician.
3: It's um, it's it's a fascinating thing because I feel like when you talk about people like Miles, um, you, you have to look at like mainstream record executives in that era who are still of the 1970s, mm. who it knew is
1: an alternative
3: fucking record, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, but it's the idea of like, okay, so like there's there's hip. White executives who could look at living color and go, Miles, or Michael Jackson, or Quincy Jones, yeah, and say, "I know exactly what to do with you to make a hit record." Right. Like I know exactly to the the T. What do to you do believe with
1: you. though that like that executives even had clocked Michael and Quincy in that way? Because
0: honestly, like it Quincy, just... yeah, maybe not Michael.
1: No, but Michael. Michael, Quincy's a hit maker, but okay. he's a he's a black hit maker. No, but, yeah. uh, so the thing with like Michael Jackson so was when, when, the they the MTV, yeah. uh, when they
3: so broke the MTV, when they broke through at MTV,
1: which was a white only medium. Mm.
3: That to, was the moment to me yeah. with 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 Michael because until they put Michael with Quincy, he was just like a. Good, well, yeah, I mean, he was we the know number that, he was the but. number one black artist on on like Epic Records, but. Not a pop artist. He was the number one black artist. That's
1: right. And Quincy knows how to arrange and produce for a pop marketplace. Right. But at the same time, they hit a ceiling. Yeah. There was still another ceiling from the, for them right. to bust Right, and through. that was mm-hmm. when MTV
3: came in. And That's we should, right. And we should talk about MTV because... Which is large, uh, in a large part responsible
0: for Living Color getting exposure. Yeah, the, mo- mm-hmm.
3: the moment... Because the first time I saw Living Color was right on MTV. TV. Yeah. Right
1: so...
0: The good thick. ad for body glove oh very
1: simple oh god yes. very simple too yeah but right yeah. exactly you look at it now and it's like why does a man in a spandex <laughs> bodysuit flipping his hair
3: around like why is that like cool but it was pretty fucking cool it was the first one yeah so I, I think it's funny with mtv because once mtv realized that like when they put michael jackson and prince videos on and it was like the whole world went whoa they did right they're, they're cool see yeah. you later asia <laughs> yeah, right like if you look at mtv from the moment they started putting black people on MTV, never it was like okay game over <laughs> no, i love <laughs> asia too but sorry reo yeah so like so like there's this period that we should talk about it's the golden era of mtv in my mind it's yeah. like when i watched more mtv than any other station on planet earth it was like between like there n- weren't many other stations on the planet earth to be honest well, well eh, whatever i know <laughs> so you go between like 90 and 95 and, like, the black artists that got played on MTV were some of the most, like, left-leaning, alternative, mm. and in a way that's, like, incredible. Like, you can't put it together. You mentioned P.M. Dawn.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. When, I, when Prince B passed away, R.I.P. Prince B, I mentioned, I said, okay, so there's, like, a black guy and his like, his friend, or his brother, actually, who are doing a record that's a ballad, and they're just, like... Happy hardcore ravers from the UK. Let me ask you a question. So you're like a glam metal guy. Do you think that like PM
1: Dawn and Enough's Enough could have like crossed, like like done a team up? That would have just been like that would have been like the Marcus like head explode moment. Have, I
3: would have cried. I would be like whoa, because because when like when PM Dawn it was like I was really into like. I I had to go way far far out there to like really feel like I could be like alone musically. So I had gotten into like the, like the like the the hardcore like rave music. I wasn't into the scene. I was into the music. Right. So when I saw like P.M. Dawn, I'm like, whoa, they look like two kids from London, but they're, they just saw, they're like like you know uh, like set adrift on memories. Bliss is just beautiful, and I'm right. like, That's and I'm so- like. Christina Applegate, got a turn me. I'm like, what are they even talking about? I don't know. It's existential.
1: Marcus, what do you think? Like, and what do you think? Like a person who had had the opposite experience of you, that is exactly your age, that's a you know black American, yeah, uh, but was like, you know, completely steeped in you know whatever was cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and mainstream for them at the time. What would they think of the conversation that we're having?
3: They think that all oh, that shit was weird. <laughs> really, to this oh, day, in 2016? oh no, to this to this day. I have friends of mine who I will talk to about music of that era, and like when you mention something like PM Dawn, they're like, "Oh, that's weird." We listened to Scarface. We listened to right. like all of those artists that like bubbled up, and like they couldn't get their videos on MTV, so they were not like the jukebox network. So you had like you know like all of like you know like say like uh Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland, Scarface from Houston, and you know the two Live Crew. Yeah, and it was. So, speaking of Black Alternative, we talk about, like, the two live crew. Because the two live crew are great because, like, for me, I got into them because Luke Campbell figured out, like, okay, I'm going to be the black guy to make a hair metal video. Yeah. Every single time with black models. It's and like I'm, the
1: original Kanye. Right.
3: Yeah. But it's, but it's great in the sense that, like, when they finally started putting, like, the Luke videos on MTV, like, late at night, it was, like, literally, he's like, I'm just a black guy making hair metal videos. That's all I'm doing. Like, I'm... and the The brilliance of that, like, well,
1: so you were, you, you know, your background. You were also a wrestling manager. Are you still yes, a wrestling manager? I,
3: I occasionally do you get occasionally do wrestling. Yes.
1: So, I mean, this to you is all part of. I think uh, you're attracted to music that has like a very, you know, I guess flamboyant
3: kind yes, of edge. Yes, yes, and that and that's what it's. It's funny you mentioned that because it's like that was the whole thing. It was like to me all that music was was this like. Ex- exorbitant, extravagant showcase of pageantry yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. pageantry—that's the word. Right, it's
1: not necessarily flamboyant. You think of Queen, like or, automatically with uh, yeah. flamboyant, but it doesn't have to be that. right.
3: So that was the thing. It's like the pageantry is flagging of yeah. flying a flag of but, something. But that right. was the thing that black artists did. That I mean, white artists would do it. It was like, okay, so, like, I Usually saw... Usually if it
1: was made safe by a black artist first. like,
3: I saw every single hair metal video. Then the first time I saw, like, pop that coochie on the air, I was like, <laughs> wait! that that That's insane! Yeah. Like, there's, like, women dancing in a bathtub.
1: You know what is insane, and I think the most amazing thing about that is... Black culture always driving the the edge oh, yeah. of white music. Yeah, and and like I, one time I read an interview because I'm a guitar player and I read guitar magazines in the '80s and I was reading a guitar magazine in the '80s with Joe Perry, who's actually a conservative guy yeah, and uh, you know he's an interesting guy ish. About as I think about as I, I hate to say this on the air, but it's about as bright as a bag of rocks. Wow. Wow.
0: Looks you, you just killed our uh, Joe Perry Democrat. It looks, <laughs> so okay. yeah. looks pretty good you yeah. know, sometimes.
1: Uh, but, but no, he's, a, he's Joe Perry. Uh, Joe Perry was giving an interview, and it's like interviewing Rocky Balboa. And, but he was like, what, they were like, what music? Like, why did you become a guitar player? And he was like, I uh, heard a, you know, Jimi Hendrix, like Purple Haze on the radio. And I was like, oh, we're getting music from Mars now. You know? Yeah. And it's just well, so fucking out and that the that,
0: that, like you got to be and, you got to get uh, closer to that and and but the <sighs> thing about that that i i think is interesting i think we've touched on a, in. A, yeah a, a little bit is that guitarists Basically. like Perry um mm-hmm. and and musicians of all ilks of life hear that stuff and they fail to ascribe that to like oh this is actually black culture yeah yeah and they say, "Oh, but I, uh, I, I like this. Yeah. So if I can just like figure out a way to not make it black culture, not yeah. make it the other." Hello, Ted Nugent. Yeah, yeah. If I can figure out a way to do Hello, that, Ted then it's okay. Sadly, and, and we've seen, and, and we, 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 we've seen it, and we will sadly continue to see it forever. Right? I, I'm, I'm convinced. So uh, that yeah. this, this assimilation of this stuff, so that when. You have an actual what happened in the '90s, a movement of black alternative, okay. like people moving into this alternative. So uh, I'll, space. Uh, yeah,
3: I'll say this: um, it, was, it was the great thing about the '90s was that, like, black culture, like, just sliced the American flag a hundred different ways. It like, did. It was that was the, the best. That was the best thing because it was like. That's why. Right, that's why. That's why I brought it up. You know, I really yeah. felt
1: there was something really like we're missing something.
3: Yeah, like, yeah, that's what it yeah. was. It was like they, they, there was something there. They sliced the like black alternative music sliced the American flag a hundred different ways. And it was and that was the point. Like if you were going to be a great black alternative artist, you had to make something that like cut across the entire notion of Listen, what it is. This the country
1: American. enslaved an entire race of people and dragged them here to do work for free. Yes. Brutal evil work that they were beaten. Uh, and and fucking killed Mm -hmm. while doing for no pay. And those people that were enslaved oftentimes, I think really have to be looked at because we didn't exterminate you like in like native americans right that like like there's moments where our culture has to be fucking really repaired by people who actually understand the beating living soul of it underneath the fucking bullshit control apparatus and every time in musical culture that seems to be black people so Mm -hmm. let's
3: talk about let's talk about um let's talk about body count yeah. Because
0: now we're getting controversial. Yeah. Well. Okay. So, except
3: except I will before you start this
0: I will yeah. say Ice T took the song that we're probably going to talk about Cop Killer off the record. Right. You can't but, find it anymore. Okay.
3: So here's the thing. Ice T is one well, of the... Axel took one of the million off too. So you know, tit for tat. Yeah. yeah. Ice T is like one of those guys that like record executives love, mm-hmm. and that the music industry loves because Ice T will play the role of the bad guy. Yeah. And he'll shake your hand and he'll say something to your face that's like incredibly fucked up. But because he's like, hey, listen, I'm black. And he knows the the, the worth and value right. of his blackness. So like Ice 2 was never blacker than he was when he was in the in front of a metal band. No, you're right. You're you're right. Like that's that's the the great subversive But Chuck D and Anthrax. Exactly, <laughs> but but that was but that was after yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it was like so. It's funny the music industry finally. You know, like... and if you're swinging
0: back to the metal stuff, you have to remember that there was a time. I think for all of us, not anymore. Maybe, but maybe there is. If there is, that's awesome. That that metal was scary.
1: Fifth and more Booyah Tribe.
3: Yeah, yeah. But you the hear a metal song, you'd be like, oh! <laughs> until yeah. you got it. So like, oh, yeah, yeah. So like, let's okay. So let's do the lineage. So Ice-T, who's, like, this, like, guy who's, like, palatable to the music industry because he's black, uh-huh. but but at the same time, he's, like, the kind of black guy who will, like, say something to your face that's incredibly fucked up, but at the same time, you could pay him, like, a million trillion dollars, and he'll just, like, quietly go to the background.
1: I want to ask a question. Like, let's talk about the accommodating, like, aspect of music scenes. Like, certain genres have the, like, out- external, outsider impression that they would be really hard to get into. I'm very intimidated by that. Metal would be one. You know, yeah. Certain strains of punk are too. Like, yeah. uh yeah. You know, particularly hardcore, very rulesy, um, which is stupid because they're all like you know, respect. Um But like when you think about something like metal, and I imagine like uh, people in metal dealing with black audiences and black artists. Maybe black artists are a little bit different, but I don't know that they treat black audiences particularly no. like weirdly. No. The only place where I see that in metal is maybe Pantera, mm-hmm. and uh, I just don't know, it's like, I think Anselmo is a, probably like a, well, he's a very tortured guy with like yeah. probably a yeah. real alcohol problem, even yeah. after he kicked drugs. Yeah, yeah. And I think that what he says when he's sober, he really believes, and I think that when he's really drunk, it's a different thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's rooted in something, I'm not making excuses, racism is racism. Right. But, I mean, I think that's a damaged guy. And, like, it's also possible that the rest of the fucking fat Texan fuckers, including the one that got shot, were deeply fucking racist. Right. It's just that Phil happened to have the mic, and he might have been the least racist one. But metal in general, I have never, ever ever... Ever, even though it is a very white genre, right. got a racist vibe. No. It, well, black metal's different. Well, oh, yeah, black metal but, is but, a whole but, different but other <laughs> but not all black metal. <laughs> <No>.
3: Hashtag. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. I love it. So, yeah, it's like, God, so, uh, so like, I mean, Body Cow coming out of L.A. is obviously very important because mm-hmm. that's a scene that is open at that point and then you have like the riots happen so it's like okay we have to have a black voice in everything Mm -hmm. blackness has to permeate it's like it's like black lives matter in 2016 blackness was permeate every part of every single thing that we do in every single part of society people don't understand how big the la riots were in making that happen (laughs) so you have like them and then it's like after that okay so who's another rapper that we could put with a metal band we don't have any other black metal bands outside of like you know Living Color, but they haven't had a hit record in forever. Twenty four seven
0: spies. Yeah, oh! yeah. Twenty four seven
3: spies. But actually, before we get to that Good band,
0: uh, you know, during, after the riots and they put on the, on the follow up to uh, Vivid, yeah, they had this
3: on this little pig, yeah, but which has the court testimony. But that, I don't think that they were a pop band at that point. They weren't like pop, like mainstream pop, right? MTV, like. right? Then
1: one outside hit, and that's uh, yeah, that was gonna yeah. be. That was gonna be yeah. It. yeah, I
3: mean they were they were still influential to me. But I was like the when, the, the landlord song, uh, you know I, yeah, 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 that yeah. was also yeah. a yeah. When, minor radio hit. Yeah, yeah. when when Body Cat came out, I was like, this is the greatest group of all time, right? Then 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 bring the noise, and then Anthrax and, and Chuck D that, did mm-hmm. bring the noise, and I was like, okay, that's the best record of all time. I played that record like. Every single day. I was going to
0: say, does it all circle back to Joe Perry? Well, I hope not. You
3: know, I mean, okay. <laughs> right? So, like, so like, by comparison, to like, so then you get to, like, 1994 and the Judgment <laughs> Night soundtrack comes out, which is, like, all yes. rap and metal. Yes. And I'm like, this is the greatest album of all time. I'm like, holy crap. Like, It's I, it's, it's this one of them, even for, if the songs aren't the okay, best. So, so, for me, we've already established that, like, I love hair metal. And I came around to rap music by, like, 1990. So, like, by, like, 1994, I had, like... Listened to like the entire history of rap music, and I was like up to date. So I was like ready for like rap and metal to have a baby. And I had this album for a, for a movie soundtrack, and I didn't, I never. I've never seen the movie. I've never seen Judgment Night in my entire life. You know, Tom hmm. Morello is,
1: is, is as important as a guitar player as uh, Vernon, and that's a, a yeah.
3: black uh, yes. rap metal band. Yeah, well, because Rage and is Latino. But, yeah, but then Rage is after. Yeah, but we're saving that for the uh, workout rock. Yeah, so get pumped, bro. So it's like after the end of that, I'm like, we're like all right, ready to like you know go, and then you get like raging us the machine, and there's this like this beautiful lineage of that, and you're just like, okay, this is like for me for a long, long time. Did it feel normalized to you by then? No, because rage were like really political yes
1: rage required at first like i saw them before their album dropped and i was like i will Mm. follow them everywhere i will go to the i will like i was like you know isis for rage you had the Zach deck yeah Yeah. i was i was
3: ready yeah Uh, but it was before the before the first album dropped right because it was like wow because like zach was like that one like for for most black people zach was like that one latino friend you had who like was like really into shake Guevara and like tried mm-hmm. to like explain to you his, right. his connection really to, you, it. to like he was trying to like that's that, like that one Latino guy you knew who was like trying to explain to you the connection between like Latino and black culture. And you're just like, I don't understand you, man, but but you have really awesome hair.
1: That was, like, the whole thing for me. I understood it. I understood from the back row. That was the first rap show that I'd ever seen where somebody was rapping, Mm -hmm. and I could hear every word that he said, perfectly enunciated. I didn't have the record because it didn't fucking exist. I heard every single word that that guy said. He's a very good enunciator.
3: Zach, Zach made me, like, feel like I was, like, I needed to, like, be in, like, AP U.S. history to, like, really appreciate that record. Like, that was the first time that, like, for me, like, politics rap and metal came together and it was like black because we didn't know tom was led zeppelin yeah we didn't know that like tom Morello was black until tom Morello said i'm black and then that changed the whole thing because you're like right oh oh my god the political band with the weird latino guy has a black man as like the core of the group and it's like it's one of the smartest marketing moves they could have Ever made? Well, I don't that think group. it was
1: marketing. I just think they're guys that are like actually fucking Marxists, yeah. and they yeah. were <laughs> hanging out yeah, was like just before the internet. Right. But and I just and, appreciated uh, music.
3: because the first time I heard Tom Russell say he was black was on T V. Well, you couldn't tell. No, he was a light skinned. He had that Huey Newton thing going on for me, <laughs> where I didn't Look, quite know. That I he tan was up black.
1: really good, and I came from Maine,
3: right? <laughs> so, but uh, I
1: didn't
3: really you know.
0: know. I'm like looking at him, well, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. So, so, but you know. I, to get back to what we want to talk about a yeah. little bit. I mean we're talking about what we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but the effect of all this, I, I guess my interest is is we this was a veritable explosion of this in the early nineties.
3: <laughs> yes. Shout out to Scott. And sky.
0: and it was some of it was commercially driven. I guarantee you there and and I guarantee you this happens today. There was somebody in some boardroom going, Get me the black version of this. Yeah. Um because they realized like well, racism—we're we sort of stuck in it, but it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> and what moves units? Yeah, yeah what moves <laughs> units? I've seen trading places. I know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, it, but it seemed at least—did it die out? I want to take a crack at this because okay, like, yeah, look
1: I'm an old guy I'm uh, besides no, did, yeah, Kevin's the same I am the
0: oldest Kev, Kevin's yeah, the oldest Yeah guy, yeah but did the die well I mean so let will
1: look expand that the did die out here. or
0: get whitewashed Oh uh, I
1: I I honestly believe that what what that unique moment in time meant was liberation and musicality mm-hmm. for a brief moment where there was a shit ton of money sloshing around in the recorded music industry yes. there was also avenues that like hadn't been explored for the monetization of this or the promotion of this i.e. mtv reaching its maturity and then there was also like kind of a a a real post-war economic safe boom where there was expendable income and a new format that could drive Unreal. it i.e. the cd yeah and okay, so yeah. you had a perfect opportunity for people to take chances i.e. risk put up risk capital uh to do things outside of this happened in the in in the post-war boom too right like they they played it safe played it safe race music was for black people and then a couple of things jumped fences there was enough um um you know safety in making in in choosing risky capital propositions and then went with it and it turned out to be pretty fucking big uh, they could sell music to black music, black people. They could also sell black music to white people. Mm-hmm. In the 90s, what was interesting about that is the 80s had pretty much clamped the door back down on that. Look at what the administration was in yeah, the 80s, yeah. right? And so black music was basically like Prince somehow fucking skated through. But the rest of it really was black music for black people. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be played by Casey Kasem. But yeah. it wouldn't necessarily be really meant for a youth movement that was dialed into music that we would recognize from, say, the 60s counterculture that boomers keep right. pounding into right. our head as the, you know, the right. the, the primo ideal of uh, participatory, uh, you know, sonic culture. Mm-hmm. And in the 90s, though, it felt for a real quick minute, one hot minute in the Red Hot Chili Peppers <sighs> parlance, Gosh. you know, it felt like Ooh. he was, he went there. Dave Navarro was on that record. It says the yeah. only good record. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. oh man. Oh, <laughs> you man. don't get the editing on that. <laughs> wow. And it's true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the the, the 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 thing is, like I was there, and I don't mean to be like, well, I was there. But I fucking was there. Yeah. And, and I felt for a minute puzzled that uh that it was like, what, we're not supposed to have like divides on this? Like what's where what's the rules? like the Fugazi and was just coming out and like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but I also had a lot of friends here just like, we were musicians, man. And like, we were, we had banded gypsies on vinyl from our parents fucking record collections. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's where I learned how to play guitar. In addition to like the 20 other right ways, like Robert Fripp and like the whitest shit ever. But right. like, you know, that was like, you know, that was the root of our experience. But uh, suddenly we felt free. Yeah. Oh. It didn't
0: feel free after that. It did feel
3: like it fucking clamped down again. Well, right. It did feel like restricted again. it was a,
0: it was a window.
3: I'll, it was a window. I'll say this too. Um, this is a, this may sound like a little bit little bit crazy, but you know, you, you've heard me a million times on this podcast. I'll say crazy things on occasion. Probably literally a million times. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? So uh, so no. Um, Eminem is the is the most divisive black alternative artist of all time.
0: Yeah, I, I mean,
1: you know, he's a white Detroit musician.
3: Yes, so is Jack White. He is a yeah. white. He is a white Detroit rapper who was a better rapper than all the black guys at the time.
1: Well, at the moment, I suppose. At the moment, I suppose Jack White is. God, that feels really
0: bad saying it out loud. Just say it.
3: Just say it. Just say it. Let it out. Let it out. I, nope. I wish no you all, no all could out. see the look of Casey's
0: face it. right no, now. No, no. i <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, keep it inside, man. Keep it inside. Jack White might be the, the best and most relevant um, soul blues guitarist on planet Earth right now. I did not say that.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm and, just, I'm just and, putting that and out there. that's not
3: true. Look like Derek Trucks draws
1: breath.
0: So, right. a, there, but, right. but
3: but but for people who are not us, Listen. Jeff Beck draws breath. <laughs> I still haven't listened to that. But I mean, I'm just saying, for people who aren't the three of us sitting in his basement, yeah, yeah, they will look at Jack White and go, "Oh man, he really made that turn to soul."
0: <laughs> and he moved to
3: Nashville. <laughs> and...
0: But but I guess so. That's what we're talking He's about, the guy. And, and we've talked no, about I we've, I we've talked about it. a lot of like really like black like albums, and I know people like have have problems sometimes talking about music in these terms you know people have problem talking about death and we should talk about yeah yeah yeah, about death, yeah. Uh, we will in a second but you know we we have these so-called black albums and we have yes. these so-called white albums and stuff but you know what we were talking about earlier uh over g chat mark is is that w- what about this possibility that people just wanted to make the music they want to make and that's mm-hmm. the, that's the real thing and it's it's such a weird fucking line where we're trying to define stuff of whether this is a cultural statement or whether this is just a human statement because i personally i am not going to speak for you guys i'm somebody who believes like in order for us to make it we have to accept we're all we're all together no and i agree so you can talk about this as differences and you can slice up however you want as cultures but it depends on whether you want
1: to appreciate the differences as like just really beautiful uh, prism- prismatic reflections yes, of our that, shared that's humanity. Getting, yes. Right. Or Whether you want to use them to like categorize
0: and divide. Uh, yeah, that's that's exactly where so, I was going with that. Is 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 that is that there are differences in cultures and arbitrarily they may be based on our skin or like the size yeah, of our Yeah, and they're also uh, certainly not permanent. Right. <laughs> Either one of yeah. I mean, and and mm. but but the idea that we still aren't celebrating that and we talk about a thing like like Kendrick Lamar as great as that album is that, that it, that, it, that album has to exist. Oh, it does. I think that, that the blood orange album has to exist. Yeah, yes, it does. That, that these things mm. is sort of fucking gross. And, and that window closing in the nineties on this, when it looked for a second, like, Oh shit,
3: may, maybe we'll mm. bring this together.
0: <laughs> You're allowed to,
3: to be normal. Man, yeah. I, okay. So like, I think that music was the first thing that became post-racial. Yeah. Um, there's that there's that rap metal era that we should probably discuss. Okay, when they decided that like bands like Corn and Limp Bizkit, yeah. is, they needed to have space in the room, uh, and that was all Eminem's fault because yeah. once Eminem proved that he was a better rapper than all the black rappers, and there's still racism in the music industry. Yeah, um, so if if the white rappers better than the black rappers, then what space do the black rappers have? Right. You know, what, what, why do you need to pick a? Why do you, why does, well, why does public enemy need to have a record? Why does LL Cool J need to have a record? Why does. Well, but, but, but here's the thing. And, and, yeah.
0: and, and if we expand this out to like real life racial politics, in the game of life, yes, you don't win by dividing. No, not at all. Like, if, 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 div- I mean, in the game of business, Sure, maybe dividing can get you more dollars. Yeah. And you can play to those fears. We have a candidate right now who's playing very Mm -hmm. deeply to that. Yeah. And it's something that we all need to, like, not indulge. But in reality, like, you just don't win when this happens. Well,
3: the music industry didn't win for, for a while, I think, creatively. There was a period of time between, like, say, like, uh, let's go, like, in mainstream mainstream pop from, like, maybe, like, 2000 to me to, like, maybe 2010, there's just mm. a lot of boring records being made. Yeah, but they sold so many copies of them. Right. Right, right, right. But, but I think that's the thing. The thing, is, the idea was that it was all, like... They were winning, a referen- friend. Well, no, people friend. People, discover, no, people discovered
0: though, music because of Napster. It's a
3: ref- right, but it's a referendum, I think, more on the fact that we had gotten past the black alternative thing. When white people could make black alternative music that was at the same level to the base record consumer to the great black alternative records of the 90s, like when Limp Bizkit exists and you can listen to like Nookie and you think that Nookie is on the same level as Cult of Personality, <laughs> yeah, that's no. when you're like, no, What the hell is going on? We have on? a problem there, but I think fast
1: forwarding though, like when, when you know, if you're talking about Frank Ocean, like yeah, I haven't mentioned Frank Ocean, like you know, one of the only brightest weirdest most interesting spots of the underground that actually did i don't know you can't say move units because there's no transactional sales but people seem like magnetized by it whether it's spotify listens or whatever it's the alternative r&b yeah. sound which yeah. is like a like a combination of a deeply peeled out like pharmaceutical like millennial culture yeah, novocaine is beautiful. and and yeah. novocaine and, and and like a in a sort of like borrowed echo of like a deep experimental blackness that you know marvin got into with uh yes my dear yeah, yeah. and uh you know probably in a proto sense um you know sam cook tried to do that it was both political yeah. and also very smooth yeah. uh and and i think that that's kind of an interesting thing but the mm. weirdness is like frank is like one of the only black people making that music
3: yeah well i mean that's the, the thing is it, well that yeah.
0: is popular that is popular that we hear about right. i i would bet that we would find a lot of other people making that thing. Yeah, there's answer.
3: a there's a there's a okay, so here's the thing. I feel like all of this I feel like alternative black music has become this underground thing now in the sense that you have to like go back to the origins of black music. Like when you listen to like Frank Ocean, he's a great R and B singer, rhythm and blues. That's which is That's my this, question. Yeah. Why
1: is it that um, why is it that once like white people appropriate black music that they are no longer able to touch on the genres that they
3: invented. Racism, man. It's just racism, pure and simple. It's America. I know the goddamn answer. I know you know the goddamn answer. That's why I gave it to you. (laughs) But it is (laughs) deeply upsetting to me. It's upsetting to me, too. But for me, the most rewarding thing about music right now is to see that, whether by hook or by crook, um, young black artists are rediscovering old black musical styles there's no barrier to it yeah so like there's like rhythm and blues, there's like, no stigma in it yeah well but but I, th- I feel like it's like one of those things that had to happen like there might have been a stigma it's at like, a it's certain like a point
1: where it's like you didn't want to go to like even though they killed all reagan killed all the music programs in schools so the only choice you had was like well let's all throw in together for an mpc yeah you know yeah, and, all- and like raid our parents vinyl collections yeah. but using the block party men- mentality right, but like right, right. you know but the fact of the matter is they weren't necessarily being like let's replicate that culture it was the only thing they had got them right. available they wanted to do something totally different yeah. and i think about like you know young black people having the access to stuff uh, nowadays like writ large yeah uh do you feel that that is a a permission slip to revisit blackness or is it
3: uh, i just i think that what it is is that you don't want to make like there used to be a thing you don't want to make your parents music right now you're at a place where
1: don't tell my friend bobby hackney jr right
3: well i think there's a thing now where ideally the only music left to make because we've made all the music and and like in a very short period of time i think the one thing people don't understand is that within the last 10 years we've literally made every song you can make like the level of the level of Mm -hmm. creativity though Is so high where people are just putting out with the the mixtape culture. You can put out a lot of music in a very short window of time. Yeah, you can. It can be anything, and it's so malleable. Right. There's no barrier to actually bending its Uh, sonic quality. So, to me, when you reach the end of music, because I feel like there's an event horizon. Yeah. If there, there you go. Like you hit this point, and you go, okay. So, what music are we going to make? And by accident, because your friend has a bass guitar, and you have a trumpet. Mm-hmm. And your your buddy has a drum, you're just like. Do you think it gets very reduced Clockwork
1: Orange style, where like it gets so shaped by like external forces that the 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 chaos of disintermediation is so unbearable that we become oh. even more monocultured by like single stream. Well,
0: that
3: feeds. That, that's the, the fear. That's what. That, well, that is the great fear. Well, that's right. That's what. That's what. Led Clockwork to... Orange. Well, yeah. That's what's led to all of the jazz records that are being put out now, and I'll call them all jazz records. I'll say that yeah. Black Milk made a jazz record. He did. I'll God s- damn it! Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: let's a- talk about D'Angelo. I mean, yeah, D'Angelo
3: yeah. made a jazz record. He they made it. All- a- Deep
0: purple jazz D- record. D- D'Angelo made the best record. <laughs> yes. <I don't> <laughs> that. Right. He like, made the
1: blackest record.
3: Yeah, he's like, yeah. but but he made jazz, and it was the best record. Yeah, but he made jazz. Like, there are people. He did make jazz. Let's not fuck
1: around. He made jazz.
3: I I always say now, like that. There's two kinds of records: that great black music. We like made a jazz, <laughs> yeah. <really> a jazz <laughs> record. Yeah. So and we, we shouted them out on the last podcast. Yes, you know did. who else made a jazz yeah. record? Who? Ab. Yes, he did. Aaron Abbed- Aaron Abbed- Abbed- yeah, Abbed- yeah. Made a jazz record. So you have like no, don't say record. Made a jazz. Made, of jazz. <laughs> you
1: made, you made a jazz. And you got to say it that way. We're making <laughs> a real thing. <laughs> made a jazz. We're doing this. <laughs> Is there
3: a hashtag? But yeah. There's two. Made a jazz. There's, there's hashtag made a jazz. <laughs> so like, you, there's two. There's two records that great black artists are making right now, and Kevin, we, we we reviewed yeah. all of them. They're either making <laughs> right, an R and B record. Or a jazz record. Yeah. If you try to make a rap record nah. in 2016, nah. right. I, I personally... As a what reviewer, even is that? And I'll say this because I'm sitting with Casey <laughs> and I'm sitting with Kevin. and These are two people I, I talk to more than anybody What's else in the world, probably. Like, I don't have time for you if you're making a rap record. Yeah. If you're just making a rap record, what what are you really doing? Like, what, uh, what is the point? Stop except,
1: talking at me!
3: Is yes. con? What's up? Con?
1: Yeah, right. Maybe? Well,
3: yeah. You know, there's rap is amazing, difference. but like,
1: like the thing about rap is like the rap is about it, like a couple different things. There's a, says the white guy, uh, says the there's the guy. improvisational aspect, yeah. which is lost to culture at this point. Yep. Yeah. Battle raps, not cool right yeah, now. you right, right. There's the second stream, which is like basically Bob Dylan breaking it open and, uh, in, in, in songwriting and that happened in rap mm-hmm. tune. We don't have to name everybody. We know who they are. But uh yeah. and and that's very important, and that actually is still strong with Ken uh, Kendrick it's really and still strong and man, and yeah. so it's like you know we people would call it emo, but I would punch them. and then the other side of it is is the technical rap, which is shred, yeah, and like which is calm like but, right, but but think about like the one band that we didn't mention tonight, yeah. think about outcast, think about yeah. Andre think about andre's love of like white rock and roll well, i was hoping we would actually and, get to this you know?
0: because here, here's the thing as somebody if you were if you if you rode through the uh being white in the 80s and you and you hit the this black alternative era that we're talking about i'm like holy shit there's this stuff is out here let me look into this and then you got to outcast all right that was a second, like breaking open of the head to where. My God, uh, it was okay I mean, from the beginning. It was just like you. you uh, what are you doing? There was a minor. There is actually a very minor album. I don't know if you guys will know about this album. Basshead Play with toys. Uh, mm-hmm. There was in '92. He's from here, uh, and uh, Michael Ivey. and he he went super like God talk with his raps. But that album, like, mixed, like, and I don't think, I think it did a very, uh, um, very gracefully mixed this alternative sensibility. Like, it knew the audience that he was going for, but was able to, and he made fun of it. Like, the intro and outro, they're playing the parts of this, like, hick band who, like, says something about a guy's mama and the shotguns. bro I mean, and, but you didn't see that for a long time until OutKast.
3: I'll tell yeah, you, I'll tell you like, well, we can talk about Atlanta. Um, in 1994 in Atlanta, this is, this is like a thing just to consider. Wrap your brain around anybody who, I'm talking to mm-hmm. the mic like it's a collective person. Um, Big Boy, Andre 3000, CeeLo Green, L.A. Reed, yeah. Babyface, Pebbles, Sleepy Brown, um, Organized Noise as a Production Unit. They're all in the same room. Um, T-Boz, Left Eye, and Chili.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, let's let... They were all in the same room. These are some of the most iconic musicians, some of the most iconic creative artists of all time. We're all sitting in the same room trying to make three-minute pop songs about anything. So maybe... At first, <clears throat> at first, they were just trying to make... Three, uh, let, me, let me just finish real quick. They were making three-minute pop songs about any, any topic. hmm Player's Ball originally started off as a song about Christmas. Like, just, you know, and then you get to, like, as they start to move along, it's like, Spodeo dope Dopealicious is like seven minutes long. And it's like, okay, let's just do whatever. And let's just be awesomely creative. But that's the thing of it. It's like, these people were so talented that you could start them off here and make them make these beautiful pop songs, or you could just let them do whatever they did, right. and you had the same level of creative output. Maybe this is what happened.
0: Maybe this all shifted into this this hip hop. I mean, we've talked about alternative, we talked about metal and stuff, but we're talking about like the what, mid to late nineties, yeah. About and maybe this is where this all shifted to that the, I guess the black identity didn't work out so much in the poison world. Yeah. And they said, "Hey man, we got to fuck shit up here."
1: And they did fuck it up because they, they, they like hip hop got bent. It got bent and it got it warped. And it got warped beautifully. And it's interesting, the market supported that for a while. And then, you know, actually it's definitely the white man that wanted to streamline that and sand <laughs> off the rough <laughs> edges. Uh they'll hand out a cat, you know, like a sc- excuse me, Grammy awards to Outkast you know, in in, in two thousand and two or whatever. Right. But yeah. You know, it's like that's like a lifetime
3: achievement award I always felt exactly. like exactly. Yeah. It's very
1: to- it's very tokenish. Uh the I wanna like in the time that we have, like I wanna like bring it back to like proto and when you think about what yeah exists across generations, sometimes it's not just uh lineage and in musicality and people being exposed to that. Sometimes it's actually family um lineage Ooh. and you know the black alternative idea. I I thought about talking uh, to you guys about it just because it was in my head. But Kevin, you were the one that when we were thinking about all the bands, you were like, "And death, we should talk about the band death." Absolutely, yes, we sure. should. And then I was like, "Holy shit, guys!" Like I'm like really close to all those dudes. Yeah, yeah. And it's a fucking weird story. Like even like when I'm watching the documentary, and you know, there's the you know, the tragic story about the brother who founded the band and, 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 and died. Like I used to play music with him, like, because he was married to my, uh, long term partner's, uh, uh, mother's sister. So aunt, right? I guess if I can do the math now after all these beers and he and I like hit it off like a total motherfucker. Yeah, I knew lamb's bread from forever. The little kids were little kids, so I didn't know them. They went to go see my shows, like because I was in a very, very popular band, and so they grew up like watching me play, yeah, and being like, "I want to play," and they grew up wanting to play, and like they had no right, idea. Right. Dad, dad, and his dad's like surviving brother were in a reggae band mm-hmm. and Lamb's Bread, and you know, and then the weirder thing. Are on you saying that, you
0: got left out of the documentary?
1: Oh, <laughs> I, I actually know Jeff Hallett was in a band that I was. At with. No, no, I know this guys. Yeah. It's weird. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have fit in that documentaries. Yeah. But like, I wouldn't have, like. It just you were you Weird. I was totally around. Um. I mean, like, good. Like, they're all. These are my people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. And so it was like really. It was actually fairly weird to all of us. Like literally all of us, right down the line. Yeah. Um. That even like pre-documentary that any of that stuff was happening, and Bobby uh, Jr., who's in a very awesome band called Black Francis. Yes. Like all of those kids. Are killer that's an amazing man bobby senior like he and i like there was like a you know rock camp school Mm -hmm. and we taught at it like god i was with bobby senior like i don't know at least three summers in a row and i don't even know why i was doing it at that point they just called me up like you want to do it i was like writing about music i wasn't even playing music but they knew i I was a good player and there's kids and like before i became a parent i didn't know that i was good with kids but apparently i'm really great with kids and I was great with kids then, so it all makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, but, like, we were, like, kind of just swimming in the same pool, and um, the Hackney boys were growing up, and they were joining punk rock bands, or playing at, mm-hmm. you know, the club that Bernie, all ages of any of the Bernie founded, uh, 242 main, <laughs> And so, you know, they were there, and my older guard uh, friends that I was from, you know, like, you know, they teach them how to do, you know, sound, and, like, all that stuff. And they became, like, really well-rounded kids. You never could meet, like, better right. fucking kids. Right. These kids are insane. And then so all of a sudden, another guy that I was, like, sort of, like, seen rivals with, uh, what, like, made the goddamn movie. And, like, you know, we're, like, like, I'm just, like, this is just the craziest shit ever. And I'm yeah. so proud, and I'm so, like, 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 what? And then, like, I was also, like, double what? Because, like, because, um... David told me about death and like anybody like David was a special guy. Yeah. Right? He's a fucking special guy. Right, right, right. And like, you know, like I'm listening to him and he's like, he would tell me about a fucking proto punk, like awesome hard ass band. Cause he, cause when we would play together, he would, after that, he'd be like, Oh, you're like fucking, you're like you, you know, you're the guy on guitar. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Uh, but He'd be like, "I was in a band like with my brothers. You know my brothers. I was in a band that was like fucking heavy and like right badass and shit like that. I don't have anybody else to tell that story to, so I'm just telling it now. Yeah, that's, no, no, no. It's so awesome. You
0: know, and, and to that I would say two things. First of all, like they." It took how many years for that story to come out? Right. Like, Crazy.
1: Like Bobby I, Jr. found it in an attic after he saw it, like it was getting shared on Soul Right. C- so we're, talk-
0: I mean, we're talking about, I mean, legitimately, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's one of the best documentaries, music yes. documentaries made. It's fantastic. And not, not just even how it's made, just for the story. But you're talking about a lot of what we're talking about happening. Th- that, this music that you love? Yeah. It was, it was these guys. When,
1: when you hear it for the first time, it's weird. Like you, you think you're gonna hear like Bad Brains pay to come or something, and yeah, you're like, yeah. "That's where it's at." If you if you hear Death the first time, you're like, "Oh no, that wow,
0: no, come like, that's, on, that's the source." You're it's, like, "Come on, like, but 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 to the point about the kids is that they grew up having that, and they didn't even know though. They didn't. Well, they might have known a
1: little. Yeah, there's, they might know. Yeah,
0: the, they, they grew up having that, but then they also had all this, and still do. I mean, I, I've so, seen that band; they're amazing.
3: So there's a, there's the a thing about it's funny with like black people. I grew up in the Midwest. I think that we have to talk about is the idea that if you grew up in the Midwest in like, like that era, like the '90s, mm-hmm. you had like kind of like this like um, rock thing. That's very much a part of that lineage and very much like, you know, bands like Death like as well, like that very much touched on black people. Yeah, but Death is like pre... Right, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, like I'm saying, like, like, like that, that sound permeates generations. Like, though it didn't reach it to the mainstream, it's still a thing. Like, the craziest thing is that Death were basically what like
1: MC5 were trying to do. But Death predated MC5.
3: Right, 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 right. Like, MC5 is like, we're
1: going to make revolutionary black music. Yeah. But they're white guys, right?
3: Yeah, well, well, that's, that's the whole point of their movement. Yeah, right. Like so, so I mean, like so, you have that, and then you have like the funk thing on top of it. Like, mm-hmm. look at these layers; it's crazy. They're like this rock thing is very pronounced. There's a funk thing that's very pronounced and unique. There's a techno thing that's very pronounced and unique. Actually, the Midwest is really great for white funk bands. I I I'd imagine, I'd imagine it would be. <laughs> so you have that. Then you have this house thing. They're, They're very good. pronounced. I'm sure they are. known
0: for white folk bands.
3: And Bob players. Seger. You
1: guys need to get Eric Arnold on this. Hey, hey, this is a shout out to Eric Arnold. So when mm-hmm. I paste this onto the old Facebook, <laughs> yeah, the old Facebook. Eric's the black motherfucker that ever lived. I love him. That loves metal. Yeah. So okay. you
3: have, so you have all these like layers. You have like the house layer, the techno layer, the funk layer, the rock layer. Then you have like this rap layer that comes in from like you know like the people like Eminem and all the guys on Eight Mile Road, and then you have like the Five Nine and all those guys. Yeah. Then you, and then you have like Cleveland, Chicago, yeah. and all these cities yeah. like breaking out. You That's have, right. And then these layers all pile on top of each other and prince was a real good alchemist though yeah way. right so i mean it's so like it's amazing to think like you get like chance the rapper in this generation he was from mm-hmm. chicago of course he's going to be great <laughs> like why wouldn't yeah. he be yeah. he's got all of this stuff happening and he has a live band yeah so it's like of course dying trumpet Why? Why? why why we should have the so- boots we haven't talked about boots that guys weird <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I mean, we're getting into just like straight like, up. Let's just like name black artists are fucking weird.
3: <laughs> but that's part of it, though. That's part of the whole black alternative yes. thing. It's like, I mean, imagine. Yes. it's alternative. Right, Damn imagine. Straight. Right, imagine Outcast getting a shot in rap in 1986. No, come on. No way in hell. Yeah. Right. Imagine, Absolutely not. Yeah, no way in hell. But like by 1994, the, the universe is ready for an Outcast. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, sure. And then by 2013. They're driving the weird. Right, but then about 2013, because of all of that, when Chance the Rapper just blossoms out of out of nowhere, it's like, yes, yes, of course this makes sense, of course. Echoes of the weird. Right, and then you get to like a guy like Kendrick putting out his record, and everybody stopped because it was like all of the normal shit was there. Yeah,
1: people, forg- people forgot about the Black News Report. You know, they thought mm-hmm. that like Drake was going to be like, it's all about like, you know, how he's feeling in his heart yeah. and stuff. And Kendrick's all about how he's feeling in his fucking heart, but it's also the black fucking right. Yeah, plot. I
3: mean and it's it's funny because the thing that I was I was reading something on Facebook today that somebody wrote. Um my buddy Bryce, Bryce Sofer, shout out. Mm-hmm. Um I know he's a listener. Um he's like he's like, I don't know if like Drake's like whole OBO thing is gonna be like Caribbean underground kind of music. I don't know if I like that. And that's the thing. It's like Drake has to go so far away yeah. from this like unique black alternative American experience to like find a pop lane cuz he already right. wasn't doing it. Yeah, but he but he but he can't cuz he he's Cuz he's from Toronto. <laughs> right. He can't. it's not possible like build the
1: wall yeah, right there it is. So Neil Young is the most Americana uh, yeah. uh, artist, <laughs>
3: right? You know. but yeah, but like in this, black in case o-
0: you were thinking about running to Canada, <laughs> think about Neil yeah. Young.
3: But it's like this whole Black All thing. Like, there's we a- play with Rick James. Uh, okay, this is true. I mean, Rick James. So, oh. so is is I guess uh,
0: is this because like the music that came out of this period, I think, is obviously some of the best music we've had.
3: Yes unequivocally.
0: is is this just going to be a thing we have to wait for in cycles until we get to some weird uh, Luke Besson movie where, where race is just an irrelevant thing and and we're, we're, we're defined by very you know the ear size
3: maybe i don't know I think what it is is that you you we, we need to get to the point where we start having actual weird black pop stars in the space like we, we still have normal normal by traditional definitions of what like pop stars look like like chance the rapper is very much a rapper yeah and very much like positioned as like traditional pop rapper in the same vein as like hello cool j um robert glasper yeah is a guy that shouldn't be a pop star you can make him a pop star if you can make kamasi washington a pop star yeah if you can make thundercat a pop star yeah if you can make um Dram, for instance, I don't know if you know who Dram is. Dram's a uh, vocalist from Virginia who they had a song called Cha Cha. That's a one-hit wonder, but he's got a beautiful voice. Yeah, and he's just a big, giant, fat guy who sings and sounds like a you know just beautiful guy like him. All these people who shouldn't be pop stars, like Outkast on the on the on the on the uh, their second album, like looking like you know when Dre's finally starting to wear the turban. Like yeah, th- those guys should not be pop stars. No, you know like. But like but, big boy, but, big boy but, talking about dealing drugs but just before you. I, I, I would say this. I would. Yeah, I, be star, I would yeah.
0: say that would say they need to be pop stars. Yeah, I, but and I, think I, they, I would say this is this is what we need. This is what we need. People like Living Color. We need people like all the. We need people like Fishbone. Yeah. We need people to like break this shit, and but have. Well, maybe t- we need Trump. Ha- yeah. Just yeah. kidding. We don't no, fucking no, no, need no, no, Trump. No, 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 but, no, but, no we, but we no, need no, these people. Shit. We need these people with a talent. Uh. Whether it's black, whether it's white, or, or anything that are able to
3: get us to think for a second, that, they, have the they have to be black. They have to be black. They absolutely have really? to be black because I mean, we we've talked about this on the show. The best like alternative music being made right now, you're right. It's being made by black artists. Like and there's and there's like and the, and, the, and the crew of black artists making the best alternative music. That's in music platform right now. And, uh, like, a platform now. Chunky glasses, It's like they're yeah. like tin deep. I'm not
1: black, uh, and I can say that, like, honestly, I don't really think about what I'm going to listen to in terms of I need to listen to black music, white music. I'm just going to listen to what I feel like I need to at the moment. But I am very, very much historically, personally, spiritually aligned with the idea of music expression that can be free of white supremacy. Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, period. indeed. And full stop. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, but like we've like, we been we we talking, though. Like, with yeah. the thing, like, we're, you know, like, the best alternative music being made right now, the best, most progressive music is being made in the world right now. The most the, the most relevant music that, hit, that hits the hardest. The only relevant music. Right. I'll, I'll is go further. It's being made by a, a group of black artists that's like 10 or 20 deep. Yeah. Like, okay, so we talk about Av a lot on this show. We talk about Aaron but, Abernathy well, a lot on Yeah, show. He's <laughs> like... He's, like, you deep, heard it. deep black you, you, stack. You heard it this afternoon? Yeah, yeah, deep black yeah. stack. It's amazing. So, he's, like, number, like, ten right now uh-huh. on that line of, like, black artists that are, like, important and alternative and relevant. And he's a genius. Yeah. Like <laughs> Aaron, I'll say it on air. You're a genius. And you're, like, tenth on the line of, like, a group of geniuses. That you're all aligned with right now. Robert Glasper, musical yeah. genius. Like, you know, Kamasi Washington, musical oh, genius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Thundercat, musical genius. Yep. Kendrick Lamar, musical yep. genius. Yep. Like, Chase the Rapper, musical genius. Yep. Like, Rory from Atlanta, musical genius. All these guys. All super fucking talented. Yep. Musical genius. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Rudy? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Hootie, Hootie made, <laughs> yeah, right. oh. oh, hey. made a country album. Bobcat Goldthwait. What? Hootie, oh. Hootie made a country album. Hit did.
1: He did that. It was not a genius country album. But
3: Is Hoodie, any
0: modern country album a genius but country album Hoody, Casey? I
3: don't know. But for Hootie and the we got for Hootie and the Blowfish to step over in the country and become dominant in that space on like a, on a pop level. I, I just saw your face, but whatever. Yeah. But not to gonna, not
1: gonna step up for Hootie. Just not
3: gonna okay, that. that's fine. I understand that.
1: Okay, but he, but
3: he is groundbreaking, but groundbreaking not in guy. ways that are right. Interesting but I mean, to but on the same level as like the artists we're talking about right now. Like there's a group of like artists who are like ten deep, who are influenced by every single artist that we have mentioned on this podcast. Yeah, who are all like the best at making music right now, and those are all artists. Who should be giant, enormous, mainstream pop? Uh, There is no mainstream, and they are pretty enormous. Chance is pretty big. Yeah, Chance is big. But I mean, okay, so give me that. There's no mainstream. But Chance made a bad album. Yeah, well, he's fine. So did Bob Dylan. Well, exactly. That's my point. That's fine. They're all learning. Like they're all. That's the thing is that they're also young too. What about Janelle? Like, there's no women on there. Oh, she's oh yeah, Janelle's in there. Janelle's absolutely in there. Janelle's the best performer of all of them. Why aren't we talking about black women? Oh let's talk about Next black women. Let's talk about black we'll talk talk I mean, women. Let's talk about Kalani. Let's talk yeah. about Janae Aiko. Let's talk about Rihanna. Let's talk about Rihanna. <laughs> Rihanna's better than everybody. Well, how? You listen to The Last Record.
1: It's good. I mean she has never written anything particularly.
3: Does it but as a <laughs> uh, okay, so okay, so
1: you need she walks by the studio and gets
3: a color. No, right? but wow. you need you need somebody who can stand in the front. To the people who buy, still buy music. Yeah, but she's no Ronnie Spector. That's what I'm saying. Well, Ronnie Spector is Ronnie Spector's a Ronnie Spector. <laughs> well,
1: they right wouldn't let Jay make her be a Ronnie <laughs> Yeah, but, but, but let's, Beyonce, let's, on about the list. let's talk about that. Uh, let's talk a about best. that album.
0: Uh, the, a, yeah, yeah, that album. Look, and I think like this is the right crowd to say it in. She's just like Godhead in general. <laughs> right, but, right, but I think this is the right crowd to say it in. If David Bowie hadn't died, Beyonce would have made the best album of this year.
1: Yes. Yes. That's so Yeah, and 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 you know None of there's, us are gonna get around the, th- there's some other the David good stuff. Guy, I, uh, I think Tao made a good record. That, Tao's another one. Uh but yeah, David's at the top. Be- Beyonce just really slammed us <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah Well, well
0: that's like <laughs> I just Beyonce. So, is, so is that maybe maybe we're in... That's
1: all, that's alternative as shit. So
0: yeah, but it's also maybe, the most popular record of the year Which is maybe <laughs> maybe we're back in it. Maybe wow. we don't see it.
3: Maybe we're back in this. Maybe alternative we're just
1: stupid, and we wasted two hours. It's no, no, no. Me. We're
3: far from stupid. I'm glad that you mentioned all the black women too, because I've wasted at least four hundred hours. Because they're dead <laughs> sexy. Yeah. Well, okay, that too. Um, I feel like they're just making the, uh, making a lot of great music right now. Like I yes. think that. Yeah, I think that like. This is the time and I, I I'm really happy to say this. Like black people are making great I, I want black women, Anderson, and Anderson, Anderson, Anderson. I want pop black women to be not pop music. How do we not even mention Anderson .pop? Ah like how do not we... pop music. Yeah, but yeah. how did we go into this conversation without mentioning Anderson Puck well, like, we, 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 we just he, have we're, we're talking about him now. But literally, like we just we named like ten artists. And we didn't mention like Anderson Pac, who yeah. to really make a new playlist. Like the, there was the playlist to get us into this conversation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. and then I need the exit playlist. We'll, we'll have the exit playlist <laughs> Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, it's but... kind of incredible right now. It's it's a wild time. And I think that there's more artists to come. I think also um a, a thing to mention is that we missed out on a period of like ten years where we just didn't look at the right people yeah i agree with like that. Yeah. like we got so caught up in kanye i blame it on yankee hotel foxtrot right? yeah <laughs> what? i feel like we got we got, no, so, right. we got so caught up on kanye right. we got and, and and we got so caught up in like maybe some other people from that era. Well, actually jay and bay are kind like yeah, of like yeah, except up Jay-Z. that it's mostly jay's problem yeah, <laughs> we got yeah, yeah. caught up on jay-z we got caught up on kanye we got caught up on like the dying end of like the jiggy era of rap and we just missed out on like Breezy Lovejoy was, like, right there. Like, we could have seen Anderson Park for a long, long time. Hey, He's can I there. ask a
1: question? Can you imagine if people are able to look at Hillary Clinton in the same way that we look at, like, Beyonce and Jay-Z? Because, like, honestly, that yeah. would be an amazing sort of breakthrough. That would yeah. be. Because she is so not her husband. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Not even. No, yeah, anyway, she's not. close. Latent sexism and latent ra- uh, structural racism in the music industry for the win. But indeed. Yeah, yeah. Although Beyonce is immensely popular and the queen of all things, And yes. I would happily uh, toil in her mind, <laughs> <laughs> so
0: to speak. Going in the bio, sir. That's
3: why we. That's why we have uh, you here, Casey. I think that might be the out. <laughs> yes, that has to be. That has to be. There's no other way. Um,
0: but as, as usual, when we do these things, gentlemen, uh, you know, we, we we get places, but there's so many more places to go, uh, which is why I hope you'll be back. I think you'll be back. Yeah.
3: Yeah. will yeah, be back yeah. in black. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, but now I gotta hit the sack. Yeah. Damn. Wow. you want to add one more like code to that? No. 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 Um, thank you guys for coming down. Really? Um, if, uh, I'll put you guys' uh, emails in the show notes. If you yeah. want to
3: talk to anybody. No, it, let's do this. Yeah. No, yeah. Seriously, I'm t- totally in. Yeah. yeah.
0: In- in- engage. Don't leave a comment. Like engage people like directly yeah, and like, uh, go yell at us. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you left out this? Like, yeah, fine. But, you know. It's like, why is that white guy talking all the
1: time about black music? Yeah. You know? Like, that's a question you get asked. Yeah. It I doesn't... might not answer. True. <laughs> or I will probably answer. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Shout out to Wendy Kravitz. Yeah. No. Shout back from Wendy Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> On that note, thank you guys for coming down. Uh, we'll see you in, in <laughs> the <What do laughs>
2: NFC. I you. The cult of personality I know your anger I know your dreams I've been everything you wanna be Oh, I'm the cult of personality Like Mussolini and Kennedy I'm the cult of personality you're personality.
0: The cult of personality. You still there? You make it through the the, the pod jam. I hope you did. That was a, it was a great talk with um uh, me and and Marcus and and Casey. Thanks again to them. Uh, for coming down here and hanging out and uh, talking about something. I think that's important to at least all three of us should be important to you guys too. Um, You know, the more we can sort of explore uh, stuff that maybe you don't know about, I think the better off that makes us as people and as a people. Um, So they'll be back. They'll be back soon to, uh, we haven't picked the the topic of the next pod jam. and, And actually I'm starting to think that maybe we should pick a, uh, Pick a name for us or something. Justice League or... I don't know. That that seems taken. <laughs> um, so we like to end every podcast with a nice little track. Uh, this is this is a little topical. You know, you heard us talk about Living Color a lot, and they are still actually uh, up in the mix. In fact, up in the remix, they have a new album out today uh, that is called uh, Who Shot Ya? It was originally going to be called Mixtape. Uh, this is a, I believe it's a nine song, uh, sort of EP of mixtape, uh, uh, sorry, of remixes of the uh, Notorious B.I.G. song "Who Shot You," you know. This was, uh, they they did this because they've always been socially conscious, as we were talking about. But it's a direct response to uh, police brutality we've seen here in America in 2016, and uh, and well, going back pretty much forever. Uh, so it features the likes of Andre Betts, uh, Chuck D. The Roots, Black Thought, Pharaoh Monk, and uh, Prodigal Son. And uh, it's fantastic. So uh, I think what we'll do is we'll just play the first track off this, and then you can go get the rest. Uh, here you go. Here's Living Color covering the notorious BIGs. Who shot you? The leading
3: cause of death for a black men under the age of 35. Is MLS at this time? is any MLS injured at this
2: time? Separate the weak from the obsolete, hard to creep them Brooklyn streets. It's all nigga, buckle that bickering beef. I can hear the sweat trickling down your cheek. Your heartbeats sound like side squatch beef. Thundering, breaking the concrete. Finish it, stop when I foil a plot. Neighbors call the cops when they heard mass shot. And I said, yeah. On the masses, bumps and cruises, Bunts and Land cruisers, Big proper smash fools bash rules, niggas mad, cause I know cash rules. Mad chips spread love with my peeps. Niggas wanna creep, gotta watch my back. Think the cognac and endo sack make me slack. I bitches all that, cocks up the G's up. One false move get switched cheese up. Clip the tip, respect time to me.
0: collar who shot you whole mess of awesome artists up on there to uh, help raise awareness uh for something that needs a lot of awareness raised to so uh that's our podcast for this week if you enjoyed what you just listened to please subscribe to us on itunes you can rate us there you can uh, you can listen to us on Google play. You can listen to us on stitcher. You can listen to us on Deezer on mix We're going to be up on soundcloud soon, but that is only going to be single episode. So if you like soundcloud, we're going to put up the most recent episode. And then, uh, as soon as the new one goes up, we're going to take the uh, old one down and put the new one up there. Um, you know, you heard us mention that uh, we wanted this to be a discussion, so in the show notes, if you look down there, you're going to have uh, ways to contact myself, ways to contact Casey Ray, and ways to contact Marcus Dowling. So if you listen to this and you have questions or you want to continue this conversation, please reach out to uh, some or all of us. And uh, more importantly, if this is something that you feel you have a lot to add to, we can we can sit down here and talk about this again. I mean, this this the, a lot of the issues uh, that this brings up, uh, are not going away and all the issues that these artists are speaking about. Uh, it's not going away. So uh, the more we can talk it through and the more we can sort of raise awareness uh, for for just this, <laughs> I mean, uh, the better. So, uh, yeah, we're out of here. Uh, we will see you in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears but be better to your people. Talk to you soon.
2: Kenobi!